Hi, my name is Tom Alston. I'm the founder and CEO of Aeromarine Tax Professionals. Here on the Winning Pitch Broadcast, I'm going to tell you how it is. I'll be sharing the ins and outs of business management, improving your sales skills, building personal and professional wealth, and balancing it all with your personal and family life, excluding the part about balancing it with your personal life. Don't expect a filter because we're about to rustle some feathers. Have fun. Welcome to this Winning Pitch Bot broadcast. I have as a guest Bruce Weissman, who's a friend of mine and was heavily involved with a company called On Target Research that I'm pretty certain he owns, who did all the market research for my aviation tax company called Aero and Marine Tax Professionals. In fact, he helped me even name that company because originally the name of the company was Legally Avoid Sales Tax because I operated from the viewpoint that the name should identify exactly what you do. And I discovered that was a little too aggressive for my conservative audience. But anyway, I digress. Here's Bruce Weissman, who's going to tell you the story of his many hats and his many lives. So, Bruce, the stage is yours. Uh, All right. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about today, Tom, was something I have been alerting my readers to. Uh, And when I say readers, I publish a financial newsletter called Strategic Financial Intelligence, strategicfinancialintelligence.com. Bit of a mouthful, but that's the name. And it focuses primarily on cryptocurrencies and precious metals. Uh, but of late, uh, given a, a, a good amount of research I've done, uh, I have found that the central banks of the planet, faster than most people realize, in converting bank accounts to digital currency, meaning there is a war on cash on the planet. Cash is going away. It'll be a relic. This is no conspiracy theory. It's happening as we speak. The senior bank on planet Earth is called the Bank for International Settlements. It is based in Basel, Switzerland. Swiss law doesn't affect it. Its employees are immune from prosecution. They have their own militia on the property. This is a world unto itself. And this bank, which I call the godfather of the financial global financial mafia, is the central bank. So the central banks of the world, the Fed, the Bank of Canada, the Bank of Italy, the Bank of Japan, et cetera, are members of this bank and uh, fly in uh, periodically. They have board meetings. But the Bank for International Settlements, or the BIS, issues orders to the central banks. The central banks, as um, uh, I'm sure your listeners know or, or are aware of, basically control the economy of a country by virtue of adjusting interest rates and the amount of money that's in circulation. They're, you know, a very powerful segment of a society. So they did a survey uh, towards the end of last year. The Bank for International Settlements did a survey of their central banks, and they found that 80% of them were either testing or piloting or in some case had implemented uh, digital currencies replacing cash. They're called CBDC, CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currencies. This isn't some, I repeat, some conspiracy theory. This is happening now all over the planet, uh, and it's happening very rapidly. Cash is going away. 
there is an effort by these banks to uh, convert your bank account to zeros and ones. The leading economic uh, power on the planet that is doing this or who has the lead in this is the PRC, the Public uh, People's Republic of China. They have four states now where they are using nothing but DC, uh, D, uh, CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. They're just operating on, on digital with digital currencies, and China intends to roll this out quickly. The uh, governor of the PBOC, the People's Bank of China, has said that uh, he's hinted that they're going to roll it out at the uh, Chinese Olympics in, in 2022. So this is a big deal. And uh, uh, while the newsletter I do get into and we can talk about key cryptocurrencies and precious metals and so forth, this agenda, which I repeat is moving forward very quickly, is something that I'm kind of alerting people to because if you think this through a little bit, most people haven't really given it a great deal, deal of thought. Okay, what, what happens if my, I no longer have, have cash in my bank account? I have just digital zeros and ones. The central bank then can follow every zero and every one, Tom. So let me make up a story. A guy's getting up too many times a night, you know, to having to go to the bathroom. He goes to the doctor. The doctor gives him some, uh, you know, some meds for his uh, prostate. Now, the doctor then, having been paid for the prescription, takes the money. He buys some meds from his pharmaceutical company. The pharmaceutical company takes the money, sends it to their lobbyist in Washington. The lobbyist in Washington um, retains the services of an escort who uh, shepherds a congressman to a dinner. The escort takes the money, goes to her plastic surgeon and gets some new body parts. The plastic surgeon gives the money to his Coke dealer. Now, that may not be too far of, a, of an exaggeration. The point is that the government can now, the central bank now, can follow every single move of that money when it goes from the patient to the doctor to big pharma to the lobbyist to the hooker to the cosmetic surgeon and to the coke dealer. The Fourth Amendment will be a doormat. And uh, this is something coming quickly. Uh, and it's why I have been writing about it a good deal, along with making recommendations on cryptos and, and uh, some precious metals. So, so is, that, it, is it is it going to replace uh, Bitcoin and that kind of stuff, or is it Bitcoin? Uh, no, it's a, it's a very good question, and it's important that we differentiate that. So you have, in the cryptocurrency world, you have Bitcoin, which you know came out in 2009, and was the only cryptocurrency on the planet for two or three years. And then its progeny started. And today, Tom, there are 7,000 cryptocurrencies. Wow. 7,000. Uh, there's about a third of a trillion dollars in market cap in cryptos. Bitcoin remained, remains the godfather. Probably most people or many people have probably heard of Ethereum, which uh, is a cryptocurrency that forwards a service called blockchain, which facilitates the transfer of money and or goods around the planet very quickly. 
So that whole world of cryptocurrencies is decentralized, meaning there is no central authority. It's decentralized, meaning you know you can't you can't subpoena the head, the board of Congress to testify. There is none. It's just people trading, and okay. it's the same. It's the same with almost all of the cryptos. The difference between that and what I just talked about is that the the digital currencies that will be going into your bank account are centralized, meaning the central bank will create them and put them into your bank account. Those are controlled by the central bank. The decentralized cryptocurrencies are basically investment vehicles today. And, and within that world of cryptocurrencies, there are those that are just backed by agreement and emotion. Bitcoin is one of those. There's nothing behind Bitcoin. There's no service. There's no product. It was originally developed to be a global digital currency, but it really hasn't fulfilled that role. It has simply become an investment vehicle. Now, there certainly are vendors around the planet who take Bitcoin, uh, and you can, you know, you can buy stuff with Bitcoin, but its primary role is just, you know, it's like buying gold and silver. Okay. Except there's, except there's nothing behind Bitcoin. The other, many of the other cryptocurrencies, there is a product or a service. So um, let's see, there's, there's one crypto called Ripple, which, you know, for those of us that are old enough, remember this word from this, <laughs> from college Yo, in the <laughs> college in the 60s. But Ripple is a uh, service that is provided to international banks that facilitates the transfer of money around the planet very quickly. They have 200 uh, banks that are customers, and so its currency is based on the success. So in the cryptocurrency space, there are cryptos that have nothing behind them really but agreement, or there are cryptos that provide a service like Ripple. But they are decentralized. The centralized digital currencies that will be uh, put into your bank account by uh, a central bank are centralized. They're controlled by a central authority. The U.S. Fed, Federal Reserve Bank, had taken a very kind of soft peddling attitude towards cryptos. Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Fed, had kind of been, yeah, I don't know, we'll see kind of thing. And then uh, I ran across a speech by the president of the Cleveland Fed. There are 12 uh, central banks in the Federal Reserve System. This happened to be the Cleveland Federal Reserve Bank. And the president of that Federal Reserve Bank is a woman whose name escapes me, Louise something. She gives a speech, Tom, to a convention. I forget what the convention was, Chamber of Commerce, something like that. And she's promoting, this is the president of one of the Fed banks. She's promoting that the Federal Reserve bypass the banking system entirely and that accounts should be set up with the central bank as an individual. So you, Tom Alston, set up your account, or Arrow uh, and Tax Marine sets up an account with the, uh, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank, and they put uh, digits into your account, and you're now a, a, a customer of the, central Reserve, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank and they can do whatever they want. They can monitor, you know, everything that you do. 
You know, you walk into the liquor store, you're saying, yeah, let me, but you know, let me buy a six pack of Michelob. And, and, and you get the guy the card and, you know, the note comes back. Sorry, Tom, too much beer this month. You can't buy that. I mean, that kind of 1984 stuff is coming. And so part of the purpose of the newsletter, to get back to where I started, is to keep people informed as to the progress of this movement, because it is moving very, very quickly. The, uh, you know, a year, maybe two ago, regulators, legislators, you know, you mentioned Bitcoin or some kind of cryptocurrency. There was like, ah, it's a bunch of, you know, BS. Uh, you know, don't pay attention, blah, blah, blah. A few weeks ago, the Office of the Controller of Currency of the United States issued a letter going, uh, banks may take uh, cryptocurrencies and, you know, have accounts for them, or hold them. So this is a massive shift from uh, it's junk to Oh, okay. If you're a bank, you have the right to uh, establish an account for uh, and hold cryptocurrencies for Tom or Bruce or John. So um, that's one thing I have been communicating a good deal about. Uh, I also I also make recommendations relative to to cryptos. You know, people. It's becoming a major investment area. Tom, there are 40 million Americans, that own, which is, uh, what is that? I don't know, 12% of the population or something. So uh, one of the things I do is I kind of keep track of them, not as many as, you know, there's 7,000 7, of them. But um, the main ones, uh, you know, have market caps of a billion dollars or more. This is not child's play. This is big money. Uh, and, um, you know, people invest in them every day. So, so that's, you know, that uh, I repeat something I've been writing about. Uh, I, I promote the newsletter. So uh, one, because I'm selling the newsletter, but two, it's an important communication line that most people, uh, I mean, you have to be like some techie from Silicon Valley to kind of be into that world. But most of my friends don't have, it's like, no, no, this is, <laughs> this is coming. I mean, it, it's coming. Cash will be gone in our lifetime. Gone. Really? Why? Well, because they can't track it. The example I gave you of the guy going to the doctor's office and blah, 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 blah. They can't. You can pull cash out of your bank, stick it under your mattress. They don't know. They don't know what you're going to do with it. Government, you know, you know this as well or better than I do. Governments want to control. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and with cash... They can't do that. They can't do it with gold or silver either, at least at this point. So it kind of eliminates Pablo Escobar's biggest problem of what to do with all the cash, right? It's because he's not going to have any. But how are you going to buy? How, how are you going to buy a gram of whatever the drug of the week is from your dealer on the corner with this money? What are they going to do? Give him a tax well, ID? Well, uh, you're. <laughs> Well, as, I mean, it's one of the things that governments, you know, can complain about. Well, the drug dealers are using cryptos, and we, we should ban them and so forth. Well, they're using cash. I mean, it's really, you know, if you're a drug dealer, you're a drug dealer. What you're using to buy and sell the stuff with is not really the problem. The problem is yeah. the fact that the, you know, the La MA, right, the Mexican mafia is control. In this state, they control uh, the drug traffic. 
So um, drug dealers are using it, uh, but so are, you know, ordinary citizens. How you, you know, how some drug addict buys a gram of cocaine from somebody on the corner, I, you know, I'm going to have to leave that to the drug addict. <laughs> but I think, I think in time, and I'm not sure exactly how the government's going to go, but I think they'll make cash illegal. At some point up the road, owning Ben Franklin's is going to be illegal. At the very least, vendors won't be taking them. So they'll be kind of useless in terms of your ability to spend them. I think there will be, uh, Tom, a black market in cash. <laughs> hey, you got an Andy Jackson, you know. But uh, th this is coming. This is, this okay. is uh, 1984 and 2020. So by way of background story, what got you so interested in this subject to the, with the point that you felt you needed to create this newsletter to communicate what you well, know. Um, yeah, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good question. It's a little bit of a long story. I, my academic background is history, American history. So I taught American history as a as in another life as a young man at San Jose State, uh, Western American history and California history. And uh, when I left that world. I was a guy, had a master's degree at San Jose State, and I was going to go to Berkeley and get my PhD. And my old man, who was uh, in the furniture and appliance business, he had a chain of furniture stores in, in Northern California. You know, he came down to San Jose. I had a baby and, uh, you know, living on beans and rice. And he said, you know, I'm going to retire. Come on up and take over the store. And I was a liberal historian, you know, I'm like, but he dangled the, you know, the money in front of me. One of the worst decisions I ever made. Uh, it wound up okay, but I went, okay, I'm thinking three clubs, golf. So I went to work for him for five years. I ran the credit department, so I knew how to get people financed. You know, the guy comes in to buy the, at that time, uh, Motorola TV, and he's had some trouble with his credit. How do you place the contract? That whole world. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a few years, I just couldn't take that anymore. And uh, so I went, look, I was teaching at night uh, at Oak Tech, you know, the birthplace of the Black Panthers, uh, um, Bobby Seale, Eldridge Cleaver. I mean, I mean, this is in the late 60s, uh, all those guys. But anyway, at night, I would go down to Oak Tech, to Oakland, and I would teach. Uh, the classroom was virtually all African-Americans. They're trying to get a high school diploma. And... Uh, so I was teaching history at night, and, and then so I started looking for a I looking for a teaching job at a, at a I don't know junior college or a college, and uh, I had one I had a graduate degree with honors, straight A's in graduate school, and I knew credit. So I went and talked to a couple of banks in the in the San Francisco Bay Area. Boy, they stamped me up just you know really fast. So I spent some years as a banker. Uh, in the San Francisco uh, Bay Area. And then um, I got interested then in that world. And uh, I, st I started reading about the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, um, organizations that were formed at the end of the Second World War to facilitate planetary finance, restructure planetary finance, set the, the dollar up as this, the number one currency on the planet, and, and uh, those organizations, which had good, uh, turned out to be global predators today. 
The product of the World Bank today is an indebted nation. That's what they're after, get in debt. And I read some of the agreements between the World Bank and uh, countries to whom they were lending. They stand the hair up on the back of your neck. You know, they get access to your education system, your tax system, your agricultural system. So um, anyway, so I started getting into the dark side of global finance and I later moved to Los Angeles. I founded a business management company with a, a partner. Uh, and business management in LA and New York is kind of a niche industry. We handle the business and financial affairs of entertainment people, actors, actresses, producers, directors. Wor- working actors or direct people in the entertainment industry, they have business managers. And the, the money comes to the business manager, pay the bills, do the taxes, oversee the lines to their bankers, stockbrokers, mortgage people. And so uh, I was the CEO of that company for uh, you know a couple of decades, and then um, I started writing. And uh, I retired from the business management company. I, my, my partner bought me out, and uh, I started writing fiction and then nonfiction. And uh, now I'm writing the newsletter. So, so is, there, lo- is there much difference between fiction and nonfiction? I just I had to ask you that. <laughs> Well, there is a lot of difference. I mean, fiction is number one, a lot more fun to write. Yeah, I've got to det- uh, you write, uh, but it's a lot more fun. I've got a, a detective series uh, with the uh, private eye that's the protagonist. You know, he's got an office in the Claremont, and uh, uh, so I enjoy that. I've got the fourth novel in my computer here. Uh, fiction is. Nonfiction, rather, is, you know, takes research and digging in and uh, so forth. Not quite as much fun to write, but it sells a hell of a lot better. Yeah. Now, I've read, as far as I know, all of your fiction and the way it's researched. I'm not sure it's fiction. <laughs> I just, well, that's kind of a compliment to the way that you write and your style and the way that you research that stuff. But I find out a lot of things that are really going on when I read certain authors' fiction. That's why I maybe asked you the question, is there really any difference? Well, you make a a very good point. All of my Tom McKenna books, Tom McKenna is the the protagonist, have a factual nonfiction base. Uh, The the first book called Mind Games was about the out-of-body psychic spy program that the CIA ran out of Stanford in the 70s and 80s. That actually happened. I mean, that organization existed. I had researched it earlier for some other work. And uh, so that was kind of the basis. And then I spun a a, uh, fictional tale around that. The second book uh, was based on a Nazi general named Hans Kammler, who was doing some of the Nazi research as the Russians were coming in from the east and the allies from the west. And Kammler took the blueprints of all the Nazi research and disappeared, and uh, nobody's been able to find them. You know, I talked to the Nazi hunters in Argentina and so forth. Anyway, so the second novel is based on that. So you're right. I mean, I I do use a factual basis for the story. It's based on La M.A., the Mexican mafia, and their control of the drug situation in California, and I'll leave it at that. All right. So I I had... Unfortunately, he's passed. A very good friend, his name was Roderick Thorpe, who wrote 
the book called Nothing Lasts Forever, which is the foundation of the whole Die Hard series. He also wrote the book oh. called The Detective, which he wrote the book for Frank Sinatra to be the star in the movie. And he wrote a book about <clears throat> called The Green River Killer, I think, about someone was killing all these prostitutes up in the uh, in the Seattle Northwest area. And he had he originally went to uh, write the story as nonfiction, but when they figured out who it was that was really doing it, he was threatened, and so he had to release it as fiction. It was the only way he could get the book out. So again, that's the basis of my asking you from your viewpoint. It's just I pay attention to certain things, and I go, huh, I wonder. It's like I'm a big fan of Lee Child's uh, series. Uh, God, I'm going to drop the name. Reacher. Jack Reacher. And I found out some really interesting stuff that I know he researched about the way that the, they were tracking the flood of drugs from the pharmaceutical companies into the illegal market. So, I, okay, I always wondered how they did that. So now I know. So, you know, and Tom Clancy kind of did that too, so much so that he was eventually hired by the CIA or, or he was originally working for the CIA. Either way, it makes a good story. So that's what I was asking you, and you answered it. So what are you up to these days besides writing uh, conspiracy theory, uh, telling us all that we're about to be doubly screwed by our doubly screwed over corrupt government that everybody knows, but what the hell are you going to do about it? What can well, someone do about it? Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take that and, and step into my used car salesman identity for a moment buy the newsletter because i'm tracking this i am okay. tracking this um to be uh and and the newsletter will talk about these things but one if you don't have some precious metals get some precious metals if some gold and if you don't have gold and silver get some i'm a bigger fan of silver than gold because if the you know if the doo-doo hits the fan you know gold and silver have been money for five thousand years and uh, to, to own some, uh, I mean, besides the fact that it's doing very handsomely right now, uh, and will, and in my opinion, will continue to do so. I think we're at the beginning of a two, three-year bull market in precious metals. Uh, I called gold last year. I said when it breaks fourteen hundred dollars an ounce, it's going to head north. It broke fourteen hundred today. It's at nineteen hundred. Uh, silver was a little later. I said when it breaks nineteen dollars an ounce, it's going to run. And silver today is 24 or something. You can, I, I can see that on a graph. So one, I would own some precious metals, more silver than gold, because you know things get rough. And you're talking about even the your friend, the the, the drug dealer. You know, if you've got an ounce of silver, which is today maybe 30 bucks, an ounce of gold's you know over 1900. So you, you have a hard time buying gas and groceries with a $1,900 ounce of gold, whereas silver is, is you know, much more uh, use, useful. Right. So one, I would, buy, I would buy some precious metals. Two, and this may sound a little out there for some people, but I recommend it anyway, stick your toe into the cryptocurrency market. This world is there. It's growing. It's becoming a major part of the economy. Cryptos are not going away. Uh, if you'd asked me that question maybe three years ago, I go, yeah, you know, no, they're here to stay. There's a so third of a trillion. What, 
what are the guys in Basel going to do about the cryptocurrencies? Because those assholes want to control everything. So how are they going to push those guys, the cryptocurrency guys, out? Or are the cryptocurrency guys going to be the cash of the black market? Well, their first step is what I was talking about in the first part of the show, which is, okay, good. Uh, we're going to get into the digital world. Uh, okay. That way we can control everything. If you're going to buy a crypto, we can tell. Uh, we can tell anything that you buy. So one, they're going to get control of people's bank accounts. Uh, what they're going to do about, let's use uh, Bitcoin. I think when push comes to shove, they will try to make those things illegal. Countries tried to do that maybe a year, year and a half ago. Uh, you know, the countries were the oh, you know, this stuff is bad for people. They don't know what they're doing. Um, and they started putting out regulations. And this industry sector has grown so fast that governments have basically turned around. I gave you an example of controller currency going, okay, well, banks can take these accounts. So I don't know the full answer to that. I mean, if I sit in their situation and if I've got control of the bank accounts of most people, then it becomes a PR job to attack the, the cryptocurrencies and go, these are illegal. Or they could, now, it, like Bitcoin, could someone buy that company or organization or it's not, it doesn't have an identity? It's, it's not a fixed thing. Couldn't buy it. There's nothing there, but what are you going to do? There's no organization, there's no corporation, there's no board of directors, there's no anything. You could currency. And, uh, you know, you have to dig into, I don't know if we'll ever find out. The guy that invented Bitcoin and the uh, technology that transports Bitcoin, which is called blockchain, was a guy named Satoshi Nakamoto. And he developed this stuff in 2008. He develops it. He sends out a white paper. Uh, Bitcoin starts to grow a little bit, and then the guy gives the white paper to a friend of his, and he disappears. Nobody knows who Satoshi Nakamoto is. Nobody knows. My opinion, my underlying opinion, is it was uh, Satoshi is the NSA, the National Security uh, Administration. So, okay. we, we, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's the biggest mystery in the entire digital world. But there is no, you can't buy Bitcoin now. Some of the companies that deliver services, like Ripple, it was the example I talked about earlier. I guess you could buy Ripple because there's a company there, but um, that world is very amorphous. Uh, one of the cryptos, I do a radio show out of Los Angeles once a week, and uh, was talking yesterday. I do it on Thursdays well, about you know, let the. Me, let, me stop, let me stop you right there. Yeah, let sure. Reference this show. Here's your chance to promote it. How do people find this radio show? How do they listen to what you're doing? How do they find your newsletter? Give people exact directions so that this effectively becomes a marketing call for you. They, they know. <laughs> they know. They they know what they're doing. Well, let, let me let me repeat. Uh, the name of the, the newsletter is Strategic Financial Intelligence, Eugens.com, and you get the newsletter. Uh, retail was 249 during this virus baloney. I dropped the price to 99 bucks, two bucks a week, you know, and it's, uh, modesty aside, it's pretty good advice.
Now, subscribers to the newsletter also weekly get a, tra a transcription of the radio show. And I don't know if you're doing I don't know if you're doing this. We send the radio show, the verbal radio show, to a transcription service. They then convert it to text, and then I send that text to my newsletter subscribers, and I send an audio file of the radio show to the newsletter subscribers. So the newsletter is kind of the basis of it. Well, that's uh, the hub. That is the hub. You can listen to it live. Uh, you can – a broadcast network here in L.A. is called CRN charlie.com CRN, no, CRN talk you can in your smartphone if you do pound 250 and when the voice comes up go CRN then uh, you can download the app and you can listen to the show anywhere okay kind of cool well done so I'm sorry for interrupting you go back that's to right work, if you can remember <laughs> uh, yeah what the hell was I saying uh, oh yeah I remember so I mean I was talking about it yesterday which is what it's, you know, close enough to, to, to the present I can remember. But I was talking about a cryptocurrency called Monero. And Monero is uh, on the list of cryptos, uh, and they list them by market cap, how big they are. Okay. Bitcoin at the top, Ethereum. Monero is number 15. I think their market cap is about $2 billion. And for people that are interested, I'll, I'll, if you're interested in... That side of things, there's a site called coinmarketcap.com. Coinmarketcap.com. It's got all the cryptos listed, how big they are, what they did in the last 24 hours, what they did in the last week. You can access graphs. It's very helpful if you're into that world. And they list, they list the cryptos by the size of their market cap. So Monero is number 15, and it's got a market cap, I think it's around $2 billion. So the reason I bring it up is Monero is the most encrypted of all the cryptocurrencies. You cannot break into that thing. Governments around the world have offered hundreds of thousands of dollars to anyone who can break, break into Monero. Nobody has done it yet. So uh, if encrypted cryptocurrency, uh, Monero is your, is your guy there. Uh, Monero selling for today, it's around uh, $127. But all of those cryptocurrencies, I tell people that are thinking of maybe putting their toe into that water, you can put whatever you want in there. I mean, Bitcoin sells for 11500 now for one Bitcoin. But you've you got an extra couple hundred bucks, you can go out, open an account, open and, and buy $200 worth of Bitcoin, or $200 worth of Ripple, or $200 worth of Monero. You don't have to buy the price of the coin. Um, okay. So, you know, uh, again, I, I think it, it makes great sense, uh, which gets back to your question of, a few minutes ago, to become familiar with that world. You know, go open an account. I mean, the, the, the biggest uh, cryptocurrencies are traded on exchanges. Just like if you were going to buy General Motors, that, you know, the, your broker would go to the New York Stock Exchange and buy it. Cryptocurrencies have their own exchanges. So the exchanges uh, have certain cryptos, and you go there, you open an account, just like it's a stock brokerage account, and you give them your credit card or your bank account, and they, you know, you can, you can buy. The biggest one in the country, in the U.S., is Coinbase. So they're in San Francisco, coinbase.com. But there are tons of these 
exchanges. There's lots of them. But Coinbase is pretty user-friendly now, and it's big. And, you know, for lack of another one, I would suggest that you can open an account and stick your toe into the water. You get familiar with it because digital currency is becoming more and more a part of the investment world and I think more and more of the economy. And I think it's important for people to, you know, get a little bit familiar with it. So it's not like, I don't know, you know, get, get a little bit of confront in. Yep. Yep. If you want to not misunderstand something, you got to look into it. You got to confront it. You got to look into it. You got to study it and make your own decisions about the information. I agree with you totally there, brother. So a couple of uh, questions. And the first one is, if you could go back and tell your, how old were you when you graduated from Stanford? Or the school? San Jose, uh, tw- 21. If you could tell that person something, what advice would you give them? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I've never been asked that question before. Well, I think in terms of a career choice, I just would have eliminated the five years I worked for my old man. <laughs> I just gone <laughs> Uh, you know, he's a, he's a good salesman and, and, uh, you know, but, um, it was unpleasant. I mean, you have, you have to see where I was. I mean, I was a, a, a liberal historian, you know what I mean? I was into mm-hmm. that whole side of the world and, and now I go from that and I'm, I'm, you know, selling, uh, Hispanics, 17 inch Motorola TVs, you know, on credit, uh, you know, it, it, it was just, it was a, ma- it was a major shift. I did learn I, and, and it did get me into the financial world, but the five years I spent there was, uh, was not, uh, it was not great fun. And I'm, uh, I don't know, you know, if I go back to people, would you change anything in your life? Yeah, I, I would. I have once have two wonderful grown children. From my, from my first wife, I was married to her for 12 years, but uh, met my current wife. We just celebrated our 42nd anniversary, and uh, the woman is a saint. I would probably skip the, you know, <laughs> keep the kids and, I don't, you know, I don't know. But I think I would have, rather than, I love studying history, and I love teaching it. And I, I, you know, you're up there in Sacramento, you know, I mean, California history is built around that city. Uh, John Sutter and the mill and Yachty and gold, discovery of gold, and Sutter's mill and stuff. But um, I, I, I probably would have, you know, bypassed trying to be an academic and gone right into, uh, you know, the business world. So I'm going to invert this question, and I've never done this before. What, in your, uh, I think you were, Born in what, 42 or 41? It's close, 41. Two days after Pearl Harbor. Okay. So what message do you want to tell your 120-year-old self? Well, <laughs> that's a different game, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you and I, I don't know if you can say you're going to edit this out if you need to, but uh, you, you and I both know we've lived before and we'll live again. Absolutely, and, and I'm not afraid to tell people I'm a Scientologist, so and uh, I'm not going to edit it out. <laughs> good, good, good. You know, one of the things I think of now, I'm, I'll be uh, 79 in a couple of weeks. I'll be 80 in a year. 
uh, I'm still, you know, I walk the hill. I live on the mountains. I walk the hill every day. I'm in great health. I, you know, I expect to be around a while. That said, uh, I get to thinking from time to time, okay, good. Ne you know, next time I'm going to do blah. We were looking at, uh, what the hell was it, uh, uh, on TV, some show that was showing this university. It was Pepperdine. And I've kind of, I've kind of uh, pinpointed Pepperdine as I'd like to, you know, I'll do my college work at Pepperdine. You know, it sits on the coast of Malibu. It's in Malibu, for people who yeah. don't know. It's in Malibu. It's a beautiful campus. And you look out in the Pacific Oceans there. They have a good law school. So in terms of my 120-year-old self, I'm not sure I'll be around at 120. But I think, you know, I'll definitely be back. My um, thrust in life is to expose and, and, and handle evil. I don't Got want it. to sound too Batman-ish, Batman but I, 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 I am, you know, focused, motivated to clean up corruption and so forth. And, um, you know, I sit here and look at the politics today, Tom. I don't know what it's going to be like in, in, in 2040 or, or, or something. I mean, uh, and I don't have to tell you, you live in Sacramento. The guy's a looney tune. He's a looney tune. I got friends. I don't know about you. I got friends. They're packing up. They're going. They're going to Texas. They're going to Arizona. Uh, or Florida. Uh, or Florida. Lots of them going to Florida. But if we don't get control of this political system, Washington is a zoo. It's a zoo. Uh, and I watched with horror uh, the hearings on Judge Kavanaugh back however many months ago it was. It was disgraceful. Mm -hmm. It was a disgrace. Uh, and it doesn't matter what kind of where you are on the you know partisan side of things. Uh, here's a man being nominated to the Supreme Court. And, and the depth to which they attacked him was, was disgraceful. And, um, you know, the country's continuing to move. This is no original thought. The country's moving socialistic. This is no, this isn't news to anybody. I don't like it. I like America like it was. Yeah, um, so did I. And, you know, we both share a love of this country. And I think both of us just sh sharing emails at some of the insanity that's coming out of Washington. Um, as, as you know, I tell your listeners, I mean, I, I worked, you know, defeating psychiatric legislation in Washington for 20 years or so. And, uh, you know, I walked the halls of Congress, the House, the Senate, got some uh, historic federal uh, legislation passed. But that place is a zoo. One on one, one on one, most of the people up there are decent social personalities. You talk to yeah. them like we are. But once they, once they, you know, they're into the party and, and the party wants this done or that done, their integrity goes out the window. And um, there are a few that hang on to it. Rand Paul, who I'm a fan of, mm -hmm. hangs on to his integrity as his dad did. But those kinds of people are few and far between. And um, we're still the greatest country, but it's... <laughs> We're in quicksand, dude. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how, you know. Yeah, there. The graph is certainly in a either an emergency or a danger condition, depending upon how many what longer period that you're looking at. And the formula that needs to be applied is 
is apparent to every well, not apparent, but it's it's available to everyone. But let's not go off on that subject because I'll get in trouble because I get real passionate about it. And, and yeah, yeah, we 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 could we could go on for some time on that stuff. So, last question for you. I thank you for your time. We're pushing up on an hour now. What do you want your legacy to be for this lifetime? Uh, you know, I've never really thought of that much. Um, um, I, you know, I don't know that I help people. I mean, you know, I spent several decades, several decades, you know, digging up, exposing, and, and dealing with uh, bad actors. Let's call them bad actors. Okay. And uh, this is, I mean, besides psychiatrists who are one entire category of bad <laughs> actors, kind of at the top of that ladder, ladder but others as well. And, um, you know, I got some stuff done, you know, which I'm proud of. And uh, it's just, you know, I don't get too excited about it, only not to, you know, self-invalidate, but there's so much more to do. Yeah. There's so much more to do. And particularly, and I know, you know, we don't want to go off on this track, but on the political side of things, it's like, you know, how do we get back to where we belong? I remember a discussion you or I are having probably exactly four years ago, and we were we were talking about the current uh, resident of the White House and being worried about his tone level. And I have discovered that he was exactly the right tone level to be in that zoo, and just keeps calling people out. And I have such an admiration for a guy who's seventy-four years old and has the energy that he does to put up with that shit. I can't think of very many people on this planet ever who could tolerate the kind of abuse that he's had from people, including the media, in making it really, really hard to do his job. And uh, I got the pleasure of knowing a guy named Brad Parscale. Do you know Brad? What's his last name? Parscale. He's the guy that ran his campaign last time, and he's actually a digital marketing no. guy. I don't know him. No. He told me that during the 2016-11 election, they spent $100 million on digital Facebook ads and stuff like that. In fact, uh, Facebook recognized him as running the most effective camp Facebook campaign ever. And he told me that their budget for this election was a billion dollars. Oh. Just well. to over... Get, to be able to get in the market of raising people's consciousness to get overcome overcome the news, and uh, you know it's like w- watching what they did to Kavanaugh, which was sleazy. Watching what they're doing to uh, this Barrett and watching her handle it, I am so proud of that lady. The way that she's just kind of turned it around on them, and you know, I, but. I don't trust any Supreme Court justice because if I applied my litmus test, they'd call me up and I'd tell them what to do. And, you know, that's not what the Supreme Court is for. But uh, I think she's going to be a good one. And I don't care if she goes in there a little arrogant. And, you know, I, I, I look forward to some changes that need to be made to reverse this socialism trend, which I blame on myself because in my lifetime I've allowed the schools to be taken over by the crooks and the criminals and the socialists and the communists or whatever you want to call them. I pick a name. And uh, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I voted for Trump for one reason, and that was to save the Supreme Court. And the fact that he's going to get three people in one 
four-year term, you know, it's, it's like getting some an extra scoop of ice cream on my coat. So I just, <laughs> three, you know, I wanted, three, I wanted to go ahead. No, no, no I didn't. I thought you were done. I just say three great jurists. Yeah, I think so. But they don't always decide things the way that I wish they did. And that's okay. That's their job. I want human beings to make decisions, not just listen to the Nancy Pelomis, Pelosi and uh, Governor Gruesomes and the uh, Chuck Schumers. I mean, those people are certifiably nuts. When I yeah. think about the, the new, the lockdown thing and the, and the control being put on, oh, don't worry about it. It's only going to go on for a couple of weeks. And it's what been now, seven months. And anybody who thinks that they should apply an economic solution to a health problem is evil. There's, you can't be that stupid. You have to do it on purpose. And there has to be an agenda behind it. I remember about a month ago, I, I'm yeah. getting on my social thing, but I want to take credit for this. About a month ago, when all the fires were going on up here, I said, yeah. you know what? I think they're being set. And people said, well, you, you know, you're Tom. I'm, I'm always a conspiracy theorist. And then I realized they're starting to arrest people. And now you think the reason I thought about the thing about the fires is what does a fire, does a, the smoke do to a human body? It irritates your lungs, your nose, and your eyes. Aren't those COVID symptoms? Doesn't it increase the amount of people that are having the symptoms of COVID? And the last thing I'll say before I give you the closing is this. If masks really work, there will be no flu this season. That's my litmus test. I, I mean, I think it's, I think the whole thing is bullshit. I think wearing masks is bullshit. I remember 10 years ago or five years ago when I used to watch people in Asia walking around with these masks. What the hell is that all about? You know? Well, Governor Newsom found out a way to make something more important or Tony Fauci or some of those other morons. But in anyway, so anyway, I want to give you an opportunity to end this podcast with whatever you'd like to do. Okay. I'm going to, I can't let your comments go, uh, go ahead. unaddressed. Uh, Do Donald Trump uh, from time to time should keep his mouth sh shut or his, tw his Twitter. His Twitter shut. shut. But this man is the most productive president in American history. And uh, I tell you that to go back and, and remind you, I mean, I've got a graduate degree with honors in American history. Nobody has been productive like this guy. That's one. Relative to this whole COVID bullshit, which is what it is, I would recommend your listeners to buy a book by Dr. Tom Cowan, C-O-W-A-N, called The Contagion Myth. It'll blow your mind. Among other things, he reveals that uh, Louis Pasteur in his diary said germs can't transmit disease uh, and then said so on his deathbed, deathbed confession. So the whole germ theory of germ virus theory of disease is, uh, is baloney. Bullshit. Uh, it, it, it's bullshit. And what's being done to this planet is something we've never experienced before. And uh, it, it is evil. Uh, it is uh, uh, it, it is evil, and we could talk about that some more. Relative to your to your listeners or your viewers, you know, I'm extremely dedicated to finding good investments for people, both in terms of companies. And I would uh, I would you know a really good buy just right out there if the people want a suggestion. Ethereum. I look at gold and silver and gold and silver mines. 
get a lot more leverage when you buy these junior gold mining companies. Uh, you know, as I said, gold's $1,900 an ounce, but you can buy, uh, you know, a gold mining stock for a buck. And if it hits, you know, you do handsomely. And I research this stuff and write about it every month. So strategicfinancialintelligence.com. I hope I see some of your, some of your listeners on board. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that concludes this issue of the Winning Pitch Broadcast. I want to personally thank my friend Bruce Weissman for everything that he's ever done for me, including helping me get my uh, aviation tax business off the ground. I really appreciate this man. He does great things for the world. I want you to listen to what he says. Subscribe to his newsletter. Even if you don't think you understand it, get it and start us being exposed to that information because if nothing else, you need to start asking questions about what's going on in this planet instead of just accepting the fact that we have to live inside our houses and we're not allowed to go outside. That's not okay with me. I never, never stopped going to work every day. I just refused it. So anyway, thanks, Bruce, again for your time. Uh, I'm glad we worked through the t- most of the technical difficulties. There were some times during this that your signal dropped a little bit, and I, hopefully we can clean the sound up uh, in the editing room. But thank you very much for giving your time. And if you want to come back, just ask. Bye. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I'm invested in your business and personal success, and I hope you found this episode of the podcast insightful. If you or your business is ready to grow, check out my website, 10 Excellence. This is the way that you do that. Number 10, then X-L-E-N-Z dot com. Be sure to follow me and send questions on Facebook at Arrow and Marine Tax Professionals and on Twitter and YouTube at Thomas Alston. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode.